Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Okay, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg. I'm really psyched to be here as I am for every one of these episodes. I really thank you all for being here and thank you for your support. Uh, if you are a new listener to Roadcase, welcome to the Roadcase community. If you are a regular listener, welcome back and thank you so much for being here again. I'd like to remind everyone that a great way to support Roadcase is to follow us on Instagram. We are at Roadcase Pod on the socials, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can follow us there. Another great way to follow Roadcase is to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform, be it Spotify or Apple Podcast or the various other podcast uh, streaming services that you might listen to. And if you're there, if you could subscribe to those, uh, to subscribe to Roadcase on those streaming platforms, that way you will get an update with the latest episode and you'll be really in touch that way. If you like some further information on Roadcase, you can visit our website, roadcase, uh, www.roadcasepod.com. Uh, you can also join our email list at the at our website. And another great way to do that, if you have questions, is to email us at info at roadcasepod.com with your questions, concerns, even suggestions for guests. Love getting emails. Thank you to those that have sent emails in. I promise I'll get back to you. And thanks for your support. And another way, great way to support Roadcase is to rate and review Roadcase on your favorite listening platform. That's a really great and easy way to support this podcast. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, you scroll down a little bit on the homepage of the show, uh, just click some stars, possibly write a write a nice review. I really appreciate it. So for this week, I'm really happy to have Erica Wennerstrom of Heartless Bastards with us for this particular show. I really loved talking to Erica. She's from Cincinnati, Ohio originally, and uh, has a really interesting story about uh, being from Ohio, being in Akron, and uh, uh, connection with Black Keys and Patrick Carney of the Black Keys. Um, she has a new album out, A Beautiful Life. It is a wonderful, wonderful album of deep emotional significance and self-discovery. Uh, and it's just sonically really, really gorgeous. I suggest you you check that album out. Uh, they have some tour dates coming up, uh, two nights in February at the Caverns in Pelham, Tennessee with Flaming Lips, and then go out in April, mostly in the Midwest again with Flaming Lips. Uh, really psyched to see her when she's in Chicago timing of this interview was uh, we spoke in mid-December. Uh, Erica hadn't really, um, they had some UK and European dates on the calendar, but they were a little undecided at the time. And uh, it has uh, since been decided to forego those January dates, just so you understand a little bit of the timing context here. Uh, really happy to have Erica. I want to thank all of you for joining us for this episode of Roadcase. And I want to send a special shout out and thank you to Erica Wennerstrom of Heartless Bastards for being here on this episode of Roadcase. And here we go.
great to see you. Thanks for joining me on Roadcase. Hi. Thank, thank you for having yeah. me. Uh, hey, are you, um, so you're in Austin now, right? Just to give some locational context. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm home here in Austin. Yeah. Uh, and I've lived here, uh, 14 years. Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah. Obviously you like it there. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's constantly changing and growing and that can be a bit much sometimes, but, um, I don't know. I think it kind of stays cool through all the growth and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good town. Stays like cool it. or stays weird, like they say, well, the, like the saying. <laughs> yeah, maybe it stays. Yeah, a bit weird. Yeah, I don't know. There's yeah. still the guy riding around on his bicycle in a thong all all around the city. <laughs> I haven't and, seen you that. I, did, I didn't have the pleasure of seeing that guy when I left. Oh him. yeah, yeah. I guess he's a he's sort of famous institution or something. I I haven't seen him in a while, but yeah, I that yeah, can get cold. Kind of, I don't know how what the weather's been like. That can get cold. I assume. <laughs> he's an Austin staple, you know. It's uh, yeah. Cool. And uh, and you grew up in Ohio, right? In um, Dayton, I think? Uh, I did, yeah. Oh, not too mm-hmm. far from here. I'm in Chicago. Oh, okay, yeah. 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 I used to go to concerts up in Chicago oh, when yeah, I sure. was uh, living up there because, you know, sometimes Cincinnati, well, I was living in Cincinnati for 10 years, but it would, and definitely Dayton would get by- bypassed, you know, so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chicago was a great uh, city for a road trip. Well, that's one of the coolest things about the Midwest is that, hey, you know, if you have a car, you can see a lot of shows because I think it's so um, things are so close together. I mean, within a six hour radius of Chicago is great places to see shows. Louisville, Columbus, Cincinnati, Indy, Madison, Milwaukee. So many great places. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a great place to start the, the band. I mean... Chicago, yeah, all the cities you, you name. Chicago is five hours. Pittsburgh's five hours. Yeah. Nashville's five hours. Detroit is five. You know, I right. mean, there's just, you can really get to a lot of stuff um, on a weekend or, you know, do a long weekend of shows or something. It was a great place to start a band. Uh, yeah. And when they, Texas is so huge, I mean, you have your your Houston and your your Dallas, yeah. and I mean, obviously, a lot of other cities. But um, uh, other than those major cities, it really takes. I mean, gosh, yeah, it's definitely I, an airplane tour, like a long, long drive thing. But yeah, I hadn't thought like being in like uh, in in Ohio is even better than Chicago. Now that you come to mention it, since you're you're closer to Nashville and and other cities, yeah, it's it's kind of like easy to tour. Was there? Are you kind of reflecting on like the early days of Heartless Bastards when you were um, uh, when you just just put out your first or second album and touring a, a ton and in, in um sort of regionally. Um. I'm sorry. You mean when I mentioned that? Yeah. Was I reflecting? Yeah. Or? I mean, sort of. You did. You you clearly did a lot of touring during those early years, and um, was that so? You hit all those sort of towns in the Midwest. Tell me about those early days. Well, I mean, just when I first started the band, I was trying to book stuff that we could get to on a Friday and s- Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, I. Uh, yeah, I bartended um, Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. but uh, it was really easy to give up my Friday shift, so I would just try to book stuff within a 
five hour radius. Um, and, uh, yeah. Um, uh, it just, to, yeah. Try to get out there, get the, get the band some tight, <laughs> try to find a label. Just, I don't know. I was just doing whatever I could to, to reach people with, with the music well, at that time. You clearly did the right thing and you were in the right place at the right time when you played that. I, apparently, as the story goes, or what I read, uh, that you met, uh, that Patrick Carney, you met Patrick Carney in, um, in a, in a bar, or a, uh, a venue somewhere in Akron. And that kind of started, started it all off for you. Can you talk about that a little bit? It's a super interesting story. If, oh, I, if yeah. I've got it right. <laughs> Well, I had actually, um, one other thing I did when I first started was I was kind of always looking to see who was coming through the Cincinnati area that didn't have a touring opener, Mm. um, and might need a local opener. And I was always just like weekly emailing like the local venues. Can I get on this show or, you know, so we got the Black Keys show at Southgate House. So mm-hmm. I, I had actually met him like maybe a month before. Ah. Uh, and that went really well. Um, and um, uh, But then I had happened to have a show in Akron like a month later. Right. Um, and it was funny. The owner, when we showed up, was like, you know, there's like – four people or something here. If you want, I can just pay you and you can be on your way to the next city. You don't even have to play. I'll pay you and everything. I mean, he was really trying to do, be nice. Yeah. Do us a favor. I think he just kind of felt like it might, we might not feel it worth playing, but I just was kind of like, well, we drove all the way here and, um, any opportunity to play in front of anybody is good practice. Yeah, for sure become a you know stronger live band and um we might as well so i just was like well is it okay if we still play and he said yeah uh and and he's suit yourself you know and (laughs) uh there was probably like four or five people in that building (laughs) other than the owner and then patrick did walk in partway through the set and I recognized him, and so when we were done, I said hi, and then we had just hung out that evening and had wow. some beers, and I gave him the demo. So, um, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, the long story of that and the explanation is way better than just you met Patrick Carney at a show. Like you didn't necessarily you got relieved of the the obligation to play that show, and you played it anyway. And look what happened. Yeah, I mean, I just you know, I, I love playing and um i just you know sometimes it's not about a room full of people it's about just doing the best you can with you know five people or five thousand and (laughs) right um yeah i mean you're you're kind of lowballing the story i mean it's sort of that got you onto fat possum records do you think that would have happened if you hadn't met patrick that night I mean, no, no, you'd said you'd met him before. That is, if you hadn't, um, if you hadn't played and he hadn't shown up, et cetera, like, do you think about what would have happened if it had that not been the case? You know, uh, I look back now and I'm like, gosh, you know, I think that was a really lucky thing. And I, I think I also was, um, at that time, just felt like I had a, 
strong work ethic mm-hmm. and really believed in what I was doing. Yeah. And um, I, I feel like I look back more now and I'm like, you know, I might have not found a label. And I don't mean it in any way to be less grateful towards what, um, you know, Patrick's recommendation of us. But um, I think in my head, I felt like um, even before that moment that I was going to figure out a way to, to, you know, yeah, do things with this project and, and the band. But, you know, I do think that there is always a series of, uh, of uh, events that can lead you where, where you're at. And, and I, and I, when I look back and I, and I think about it, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, I wouldn't have found a label and I just all the more am so grateful, uh, for, um, uh, Patrick recommending us to fat possum. Yeah. Um, and I hope that doesn't sound as if I was previously ungrateful in any way. No, not I, at all. Not at all. Just say um, you're, you're kind of like just presenting both sides of the the equation. It sounds like, yeah, you're grateful. That was kind of a propitious meeting and it ended up to be really beneficial for you. But on the other hand, you were saying that that's great that that happened, but, um, you, what I'm hearing is that you're saying you had the confidence that even if that hadn't happened, you would have just continued to to push and, and you were confident with where you were with your music and what you wanted to do. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny because like, I, I, I'm not even quite sure if, conf- maybe I would call it like blind confidence or something. <laughs> well, hey. Because I, I definitely don't find myself to be a, you know, like a, ex- I don't want to say I'm extremely like inconfident either, but mm-hmm. I definitely am not somebody that's just like, I don't consider myself an extremely confident person necessarily either. But I think I've just, this has just always been this thing that I believe in that I'm doing. And yeah. I think I just kind of continuously followed my heart with it. So, well, yeah. do you say <clears throat> you're saying you don't think that you're, extremely confident person um do you say that just like because you want to project like a image of modesty or something because like to be confident is like a good thing you got to have like a level of self. Oh, you need no. to have a, like a, a huge level of self-belief i i just mean um i i it's certainly not from an outward projection of how people would see me i mm-hmm. just mean that uh well i mean i you know it, it's it, it's, uh, I, I just always kind of also recognize within what I'm doing that I, I believe in the songs like I'm putting out in the world, but yeah. I simultaneously recognize that whatever I'm writing might not be everybody's cup of tea. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like I just sort of how I see things are that I sort of believe in what I'm doing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody will see what I see in what I'm doing. Yeah, of course Does that not. make sense? You know? Yeah, uh, you can't, so, uh, uh, <laughs> you, you know, you, you can't, you, I mean, you're not the Beatles, right? Like there's only one Beatles and even they don't even appeal to every single person on the planet, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just to take it I, to the most extreme, silly example. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Just because I've been watching the documentary and I listened to a Paul McCartney interview on Fresh Air and, you know, I'm sort of in the 
And then I was like, and then I, but just not to get off the subject too much, but then I saw you play it at the LA, the, at the Fonda Theater. Was that in 2014 for a George Harrison tribute? That was fucking, yeah, that was yeah. fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was... So anyway, on the, on that Beatles, uh, but yeah, I, you can't, you can't appeal to everybody. Are you kind of in the frame of mind right now where you're uh, sort of like thinking, well, you put, I mean, you put out this amazing, this, this. This new album, Beautiful Life, is absolutely gorgeous, and I'm fucking blown away. I just want to say that to you. I mean, I already told you Thank that before, you. but god damn. But it's really um, putting yourself out there and putting your own mindset out there. And, you know, I'm not as familiar with your tremendous back catalog, maybe, but um, does this new album kind of uh, create is, – is it sort of a um, – what do I want to say? A marker? Like, is this – uh, significant moment for you in putting out a, like a, your, a particular set of thoughts that you have? Does it, does it, does it reflect kind of a departure of things that you had done before in that sense of putting yourself out there and putting your own thoughts out there as to where your head is at right now in the world? Um, I mean, I, I'm not really, uh, sure. I, I, I just write songs and mm. the things that I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. And as far as the overall picture of how it is, and I, I, I don't know. It's just an extension of yeah. where I'm at in my life. Like I just write from my life cool. and my experiences mm -hmm. and you don't like yeah, to compare to what's gone on before or something. That's other people's job. Yeah, or, or not, or not. <laughs> I mean, I I think that um, I'm more and more figuring out how to find my. Uh, I I I feel like I'm getting uh, better at f uh, figuring out how to execute what's in my head as best mm. I can. Like I've I'm just with each record, I've learned so much uh, as far as that. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I, but I'm just always writing and trying to follow these visions that are, are in my head, yeah. uh, and, uh, sonically, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, but it's not like, um, outwardly some, something that, yeah, I don't know. I'm just ex being, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, uh, as far as, um, messages and, and, and such, you know, a lot of the messages on the album are just more and more, uh, I've just felt more conscious of the environment and the state of the world. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, a lot of messages on the album are, um, about loving one another, being good to one another, yeah. um, about, um, uh, you know, some consciousness on the environment, you know, like on revolution. I mean, there's some, you know, I feel like the hyper commercialization of, uh, our culture. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, we have to somehow keep this constant economic engine going and how do we increase GDP and, you know, all these sorts of things where all these things that we do 
in the whole like long-term scheme of things are actually kind of harming our environment and making it harder for our species to <laughs> continue yeah, I got on the la- planet, you know? Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I was I uh, I looked at it more of like an inner revolution. I, I got more of the the false information, everything coming out these days. Um, I mean, you're well, you're it's, sitting it's, in a desert on a on a carpet in a nice chair watching images on the TV on TV. I mean, just to break one scene down, that sort of spoke to me. And then at the end, you you know, it's about the revolution being in your mind. It seems like a positive. It's sort of well, a, a positive. Um, transition from believing all these different messages that are coming externally and then no it's really like what you do in your own head is the most important thing well that's, know, that's true what I, took I mean it's it, it's 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 uh it's it's it, it encompasses that too mm-hmm. because i feel like the more we connect with ourselves and and sort of realize that we don't need a lot of the things that are being coming at us we uh it's it's um it's it's about like working on on the inner self and not the outward sort of yeah self and buying this or that or uh yeah i mean it's it's a it's a pretty large complex message that encompasses just as much what I said before and mm-hmm. what you're saying now, you yeah. know, I mean, it's, um, and ultimately, you know, even, I mean, I wrote it before COVID, but you know, there's also this idea of energy and interacting with humans and, yeah. um, and you know, we are the only thing that we fully have control over like our perspective our attitude our approach to the world so even in interactions with people like uh you know how to sort of uh yeah um uh, how do i even put that into words uh you know like um well, with the interactions, interactions with other people and how those sort of shape our existence and those, those varied levels of interactions now online, fucking social media, <laughs> uh, yeah. television, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> Fox News, you know, all these different, you know, types of information that's coming out. Everybody, true, false, who knows? Um, there's so much gaslighting that goes on today as well. You know, I mean, just watch Fox News. You know, I wasn't talking about Fox News in a positive sense either. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's and ultimately, you know, I, I feel like even where people go with the, the false information and the a lot of that is has to to do with. Uh, you know, I, uh, God, it's, it's complex. So it's hard to just summarize. I, yeah, but I, I think that, um, you know, a lot of that, those ideas are fed to people, uh, and from people seeking money and power and, Mm -hmm. and ultimately the need for money and power is an insecure an insecurity thing, you know? So to me, the more we can focus 
on, you know, the inner self, the less we need to, you know, have any, you know, uh, need material objects to um, feel better, you know, some sort of filling some kind of like void or something or any sort of power over anybody else. And I just think if that message, then people could just like let it leave each other alone. <laughs> and, hey, uh, if everyone were healthy, exist and, it, uh, yeah. yeah, if everyone were <laughs> mentally healthy, I think that the, the planet would be a much better place. That's a lofty goal and it's a worthy goal. Um, yeah, un- under- you know. understanding so, so many of the complexities that are going on in the world today is the important step in moving forward towards acceptance or doing what one can on a personal level to make the changes that makes oneself feel better. And at least that some that you're doing something about it. Yeah. I, I mean, know. it's, I just, it's, it's my little, you know, and I'm, it's my little attempt at, putting a message out there that might be comforting or helpful to somebody. And, yeah. um, you know, I think I, you I accomplished, figure... I think you accomplished that. It certainly got me thinking about it. Um, and it really kicked in when I watched the video for that out, that song as well. I think it's really beautiful, Erica. It's well done. Thank really. you. <laughs> really. And then, um, you like to get out in the outdoors and backpack and travel a bunch. Is that, um, is that sort of something you've been always doing or did, is that something that's sort of been recent? That's, I know a lot of people have gotten into like new stuff or pursued passions over, uh, these last couple of years being kind of on lockdown, et cetera, that they didn't necessarily have the opportunity to do so before. Is that kind of the case for you? Um, I have always sort of found some solace in nature and it's, um, just been important to me since I was a kid. I think yeah. I mean, we used to have, uh, what seemed like a large woods behind my house that I realized was not <laughs> When you not went back, you're like, yeah, no way. <laughs> Everything seems bigger when you were a kid, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I felt like I was just going traipsing through the forest. Yeah, well, you, know? you were, you were like, in your own head for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, doing that a lot as a kid or my mom, we had, um, we grew up near Yellow Springs, Ohio. Mm-hmm. It's uh, not too far from Dayton. So we would go right. to the Glen and hike. I think my mom really kind of instilled that in me too. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I just, uh, I find that when I kind of can get out in nature, I can kind of let go of whatever kind of things are kind of in my, my daily life in some way. And it just kind of opens me up to inspiration. Mm. Um, and sometimes I, I intentionally go out there to try to write and sometimes I'm just going out there to just not try at all. I mean, and then sometimes when I'm not attempting to write is when the biggest inspiration comes because, I'm just kind of letting myself like, uh, just kind of be. <laughs> yeah, 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 and then stuff starts just coming, right? Yeah. If you try to force I, something, sometimes that's a that's that's a difficult place to be. 
Yeah, I, I, uh, it's very rare that I sit down on my couch and try to write a song these days because mm. it's almost like the act of trying to write hinders my writing. And right. It's just like not worrying about it um, uh, in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, that's interesting. Like I, I, I grew up in LA in a city environment. I really wasn't that much into hiking, but we did hike in the Hollywood Hills and up to Griffith Park and all that stuff. It was very instrumental in the way that I like to be outside. And it was great quality time with my dad and our dog and stuff. Just, <laughs> um, yeah, it's great to, to be able to get outside and, you know, I, now I live in Chicago, so there you go. <laughs> uh, puffy jackets and lots of layers and thick socks. <laughs> yeah well you have some great summers though oh the summers are the best the summers are the best i would not i I just don't even want to go anywhere during the summer except hang out here um yeah did you record the album in la um i recorded the first part of it in uh lockhart texas outside of austin Uh uh-huh um and then i did all the vocals and overdubs in la and i did um uh, I guess four four songs. Yeah, in uh, in LA. Well, I'm yeah. a big My Morning Jacket fan. That's why the Kevin Ratterman caught my attention, and uh, and he had Bo Coster, keyboardist on on your album, and uh, other LA people. Well, now LA uh, Andrew Bird um, on that on um, Photograph. Is it the, the one track? Oh, uh, Andrew's on um, the River. Oh, the river, right? The river. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful, so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. He's amazing. He's, he's amazing. He's just like from another planet or something. Oh my God. I just. Um, I saw his yeah. shows here in Chicago. He does this. Uh, well, he used to do his Christmas celebration, you know, many years ago before COVID, and like last time was like 2019. Is this like five nights of Christmas at uh, this fourth Presbyterian, fourth Presbyterian church on Michigan Avenue. And it was just absolutely stunning performance with him and Madison Cunningham, whom I'm having on the show soon too. So that, he's just, he's amazing. I don't even have the words to describe how great he is. Yeah. I find <laughs> him like, he's like from another planet. He's like otherworldly <laughs> or something. I was thinking recently about Andrew and I was like, you know, I think he like one of the biggest things that makes him so amazing is mm-hmm. that he just has like amazing taste. Mm. Like his musical choices mm-hmm. are 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 just so tasteful. Yeah, and because you know, I mean, some people can play a whole lot of notes and maybe be some kind of virtuoso or something, but I think really what makes him extra special is just where he takes you you know yeah it's, uh yeah yeah he's very he's incredibly skilled virtuoso player um plays rock violin sometimes which blows my mind always and has an incredible level of restraint as well and that's what makes it so beautiful sometimes like six notes or a dozen notes is better than four dozen yeah it's like i yeah sometimes like a yeah like a guitar player that's like I don't know. They could do like an insane amount of notes within a short period of time, but it's just like, 
kind of unlistenable, you know? A like, bit. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. Taste, <laughs> taste and restraint. Is, you can't hear is... all of the hundred notes that someone's packing into like a 15 <laughs> second solo, <laughs> but, but you know, they're there and, you know, but then if you play six, it's sort of, and they're the right ones. It's really, really compelling. And yeah, yeah Andrew does that. Yeah. What was it like working with Kevin Ratterman? Oh, Kevin's so great. He's, yeah. he's just, uh, I think he's got some great ears and um, a great uh, choices and um, so many, I mean, out of sort of details of things, like even just like what compressor is going to sound really good. Oh, and, really? You know, when you get into the technical stuff. And yeah. Kevin is also somebody that has extremely good taste. Yeah. And, you know, because when, when you're making a record, I mean, you could have the same tracks and you could have like 20 people mix it and it would be a completely different sound for each one. It's all about, uh, yeah, I think Kevin is very, very tasteful uh, and also just an amazing human being and, and vibe. I uh, just, it, he was just so lovely to work with. Yeah, I've heard yeah. great things about him. I had um, Tim Showalter on the show as well, who's worked together oh. with Kevin for a while. I had Bo on the show also. Um, and uh, yeah, they just, they love him. And there's always so much, so much positivity about experiences with him. It's just, it's amazing. That's exactly what I think of when I think of Kevin. It's just this extremely like positive human that I, yeah, just such a great energy to be around. I, yeah, I'm so glad that we work together yeah 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 and um i find interesting with heartless bastards how it's sort of like this you know big picture um is kind of it's your project and so many different artists uh and musicians have come and gone and moved in and um into the project and um why do you do that For lack of a better <laughs> analysis, why do I have, uh, yeah, well, how did that sort of come? To, how, how did that come to be? Like that, there's just um, um, that you're always having so many different musicians, and that you're kind of in the center of it. Well, I mean, I've always written the songs for the group, and I was in—I mean, with the first lineup, I was in a relationship with Mike Lamping, uh, mm-hmm. and we split up. You know, so I just mm, mm. moved to Austin and yeah, uh, well, that's an answer. That's an answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were together almost 10 years. It just, oh, okay. uh, it's, you know, not really easy to split from somebody being the yeah same band, but, um, yeah, true. Ask Fleetwood Mac about that. Right. Um, but, uh, then I went on the mountain. Um, I hadn't put a band together yet. So I had session musicians on that record. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put a live band together after that uh, to right. tour the album. And then we were, uh, you know, I toured together with the same band and they were on the next two albums after that. Uh, but mm-hmm. then we hi- took a hiatus and um, yeah, I then I did this album under my name uh, called Sweet Unknown and, yeah. and uh, just timing sometimes and. Um, it, it just, you know, I was like, well, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna do another record under Heartless Bastards, you know, timing wise. Yeah. Uh, 
up for for doing this. I mean, Dave's living in Pittsburgh, and I, I don't know. It, yeah, it just didn't timing wise. So I, yeah. uh, but it's always been my thing, and I I didn't think it was fair to myself to sort of wait for everybody to be on that same page with that. So. Yeah. Do you think it adds to kind of your creative direction to have input from different musicians on different albums? Yeah. I mean, ultimately with kind of when I, when we took the hiatus and then I did Sweet Unknown, mm-hmm. um, I ended up sort of picking different, different musicians that their style was exactly kind of what I was looking for, for a particular song. I had like mm-hmm. probably four or five guitar players on that album. And to me, it just, it, it's sort of, it's really freeing because I can just say, this is kind of what I'm going for. And you, that's your style. And I just, I would love to ask you to, to be yourself and just come join me on this song. And, and it's just worked out so well. Um, Yeah. I mean, there are actually some songs um, previously that I kind of shelved or had waited on because it just mm-hmm. wasn't working. Um, having the same team all the time. And, um, mm-hmm. and I, yeah. Oh, so you have kind of older songs that you've then brought, you've kind of brought out when the time was right. That's been sort of something that you've done over time. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. mean, I'm, I'm, I guess right now I'm working on some songs that I had shelved that just weren't fitting right. And, uh, you know, I, yeah, I'm just kind of following my instincts and my instincts tell me to pick different people for this particular song. You know, I mean, I'm kind of looking at it. Um, yeah, just from a sort of, uh, from a distant, uh, distance, like, um, uh, for the river, I uh, asked my friend Fuddy to play Persian sitar, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm just sort of, uh, and then I asked Andrew to join. So the sort of makeup of that song wouldn't even be what would be in the traditional lineup of the band. So yeah. I'm thinking of things more from a compos- compositional uh rather than just bringing them in with, with the band. I, I put them together in the studio, you know? Yeah, it sort of sounds like it gives you a level of freedom to create songs that, and then you're kind of not restrained by the by just having the straight up four members in a band. Exactly. That you can call on others to sort of answer. Do you have, like, let's take The River, for example. Did you have like, oh, I want to, I could put a cool violin part in here. Um maybe I could get Andrew Bird to do this or was it, how did that come about? Let's talk about that a little bit, just from a creative standpoint. Yeah. I mean, um, on that particular song, I, I did, I kind of thought that Andrew would be perfect for it. Uh, mm-hmm. and I had reached out to Andrew before I had actually recorded the song. Um, and then he ended up inviting me to sing on um, a uh, another alternate version of his song "Manifest," and that brought oh, about that. that. Holy shit! I love that song. Um, is that is that is that alternate version out there somewhere? Yeah, we released 
it came out like I want to say in 2019. I kind of uh-huh. I don't know. It's weird because 2020 sometimes it just feels like a whole blur that year yeah, I know. Like and even part seems of like, like last year. Oh. Yeah, I, so I don't remember now when we release it. No, I asked it because I love I love that song. I want to hear you on it, so I'm going to look for it. Um, but yeah. yeah, and then I, um, and then I just kind of got focused with doing the album, and we did the track, and um, and I sort of still had had in my mind to see if timing works out. You know, mm-hmm. uh, had was going to work out with Andrew uh, guesting on it, and it, and it just yeah. so happened that it. it worked out um that's interesting but um so when when you do that song live uh do you do that song live at a and b if you do then um you know i guess maybe if you're in la you play on it but did he play on it the troubadour uh no not he, i'm assuming he doesn't tour with you obviously. yeah yeah <laughs> and with with covid i you know it i mean it, i had i thought about asking him but i was like oh, i i don't know i mean i i know he's uh, yeah, I just yeah, but uh, <laughs> Jonas was playing guitar with me. Um, uh, has sort of translated his part onto yeah. guitar, and then yeah. uh, we had gotten a Persian sitar, but it's just it's a classical instrument that really takes quite a bit of um, work to to sound like Farid and, and, uh, yeah, for sure. but, um, and, and it's also very difficult to, um, sort of mic a classical instrument like that without it feeding back really bad over like a really loud band, you know? So, uh, Oh, right. Because they, you don't have pickups on those things. You have to do it with an external mic or something. Right. Yeah. Or you could even put a yeah. pickup on it, but the body of it's so small that you would have to, turn it it's just their feedback would be a major issue interesting so um but i happen to have this banjo uh that and i was thinking that the persian sitar has something that's a little reminiscent of the banjo to me for for some reason and Mm. uh so we have been um sort of attempting to (laughs) Uh, modify a Persian sitar part into a banjo being sort of played in a... Yeah, I don't think people that are coming to the show are requiring there's a Persian sitar track. No, oh, banjo, it sounds just like it. It's like a (laughs) banjo played in a Middle Eastern scale, you know? Yeah, cool, right. Yeah, it's doable. And there's... We have to watch the feedback with that, too, but uh, Hmm. it's a, yeah, yeah, we've managed to work it out. So you um do you feel like the last what what is kind of your thoughts now having uh, completed that um which was pretty a major tour you'd been on the road off and on since I think uh June or July right and you just sort of finished that 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 tour right? what was your um what are your thoughts now kind of looking back on that first tour back from covid uh, touring the songs off this new album uh, what are my thoughts just about the tour? Yeah, just how did that go? Uh, yeah. How did it go? And what was it like being out there again and, um, and playing this new album? Just curious about what you were feeling like up on there on stage and getting out every day and traveling around. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, um, it just felt so good to play and sort of mm-hmm. share energy with musicians. Um, I mean, gosh, it's something I just don't ever want to take for granted, um, I, 
Yeah. I mean, doing a show on like Zoom in my living room by myself is just not going to compare <laughs> to like, yeah. you know, the the rock and roll experience and that exchange, you know, with just the, not only the musicians, but the audience and yeah. um how long did it take you to get back to sort of feeling like, oh, this is we're back to normal now, kind of, well, not normal uh, environment, COVID-wise, but sort of like from a performance and, um, you know, from your mental outlook on touring? Um, I mean, I don't even know if we're fu- I'm fully there yet, you know? Mm. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I, I will say that once we got through the East Coast and nobody got sick, uh, I was like, okay, we can do this. We can do this. And then... Our first show on the West Coast, I got a couple of messages from uh, one from a friend of mine that's a radio DJ and another from mm-hmm. a band member of an artist that had said that their band got COVID from that venue and it said started in Texas and there was like no, uh, it was the, one of the few venues where we weren't allowed to institute any kind of protocol uh, and I was like, wow, that's wow. like the first show on our tour of the West, you know. Yeah. Um, but I really put so some... So did you end up playing that? So We to, did, but I put a, I put some thought into it. I The particular venue, and I'm, I'm not going to mention it, the, you mm-hmm. know, the, the venue on here, but they have like screens. It's very open air. And, and, and yeah. they said that... Um, they said that we could have a distance of the barrier, um, between the audience and the stage. And I don't think they had done that with the previous, uh, band that I knew. Mm -hmm. I think the audience was kind of right up there. So, and then I just, people that live in Texas know that, um, a lot of venues, at that time weren't allowed to, I, I think it's sort of also if we're not allowed to institute certain protocols, it's kind of up to uh, the person, whether they feel comfortable coming. And so we just decided to proceed with the show um, yeah. with people having the knowledge that it, you know, to do what feels right for you. And, yeah. and we did, what we could to also keep a bit of a a distance. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from a fan perspective, I really wish that other, that other fans and the attendees of shows would wear masks. And that just doesn't seem to be the case as much, except that, you know, a couple of venues, I heard from other performers that Chicago is the Chicago audiences are pretty good about this and the, and that the venues are really good at, um, stating what their protocols are and urging strongly urging uh people that attend shows to follow those protocols but you know it's just about putting on a mask and making it safe i mean you're up there on stage you know and and you're doing this not only because you love to do it but it's your livelihood and if someone gets covid then you're down you know who knows maybe you have to you Worst case scenario, you got to cancel a tour. Best case scenario, you got to cancel three or four shows. Um, it's just unfair to artists that attendees are not masking up. Yeah. That's where I it's mean, coming from. I, I just, um, 
yeah, I was a little nervous about doing the, the tours and, but I, I don't know. I, I, um, I, the, I don't know. Lately, I just am like, I'm just doing my best. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, it's, uh, everybody's got strong op opinions and, you know, I, 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 I would like that people take some measures to keep each other safe and, but everybody has different levels of what that is, you know, right. and right. I, I don't know. I, people can, I don't know. Everybody's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, I just, um, you know, I feel like we instituted some stuff and you, you get some venom back and I'm not, you know, um, I mean, I, I certainly wouldn't not institute it out of fear of, of venom, but sometimes I'm just like, gosh, you know, sometimes life can be challenging enough. I just, you know, these kinds of things that were, uh, dealing with as far as that it's just something i never would have thought yeah, i would you, have so it to sound, it think like about you, got some, you know yeah, it sounds like you got some negative feedback from decisions that you made along the way during the tour oh i i here or there but i i um yeah, yeah I, I yeah i feel like our fan base is a a, a mixture of all different philosophies of diff, some different folks i mean you know, mm -hmm. I, I find even some people that uh, are really liberal can be anti-vax, too. <laughs> it's like, a bit, I don't know, it's complicated. I feel like that's just maybe like far out or yeah. what it, you could be far out left or you could be far out right. You know, it's just, you know, people that are very uh, holistic and such, you know, I, I, I don't know, but I... Uh, I, as far as that, I I just uh, I don't know. Maybe we should talk about something. Else. <laughs> I'll try to get yeah. I'll try to get you off the hook. Uh, it's it's I mean, not so much that not, I'm uh, afraid to talk about it or anything. It's almost just like I feel like everybody's probably hears it so much day in and day out. You know, it's like I turn well, on it NPR is, yeah. and it's just like yeah, Omicron, yeah, Omicron. <laughs> it's just like COVID. For sure. I mean. <laughs> Yeah, this this just kind of started with having guests on your tour, and I know we were talking about. Andrew oh, I brought tour. it up, by the way. I think so. Uh, I don't. I, I, yeah, I just. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's either way. I it's, 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 you know, <laughs> it's my podcast. I could have just like gone in a different direction too, but yeah. I mean, it is kind of something that is out there and that everyone needs to think about. And um, uh, but I did want to ask you though, what was it like playing with the Troubadour? Had you played had had you played there before? I mean, that's a rather famous venue in Los Angeles. Yeah, I've played there two or three times over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very, yeah. Uh, I remember seeing it in like the doors, you know, at a, I don't want to say adaptation, the door, you know, the doors. Oh, the doors movie, movie years ago, totally. <laughs> and it, I, yeah. it was like, when I remember when I first played there, I was like, God, it looks so much small. It's so much smaller it's than so it looks smaller. in yeah. the movie. I mean, yeah. the Troubadour is, yeah, it's it's really not that large of a venue. No, it's no, just not at all. legendary and classic, totally. you know. 
Totally, totally. How much does touring uh, play into your desire to kind of be outside and travel? And does do you sort of vibe with touring on that level? Is it a place that you like to be kind of out there on the road? Uh, I'm sorry, say that again? Uh, How does touring sort of vibe with your own interests in travel and being outdoors or sort of just sort of being out there? Like, how is that? Does that is that something that you really like to do or do you face kind of some challenges of being on tour? Oh, I mean, yeah, it's funny. I, I feel like that Tom Petty song, the waiting is like, the, you know, the waiting is the hardest part. <laughs> yeah, 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 There's just yeah. so much like, uh, you know, it's like, okay, well we're loaded in, right, but we gotta like, wait. we gotta like get this stuff mic'd. But so we can't, there's not enough time to go somewhere sometimes. And mm. I don't know, there's a lot of waiting. Uh, I think um, ultimately I, I love what I do. Um, and I, I just love playing with the musicians and the energy and the audience. But, you know, sometimes the, the travel aspect and the, uh, the waiting can be a bit... Uh, uh challenging at times um yeah i you know i i i don't feel like it's quite similar to like traveling and nature and and such you know those sorts of things because mm -hmm. um i i wish sometimes i had time to do a little bit more of that in the yeah. midst of a tour uh although yeah. we did get to hike in the redwoods uh, which was my first time oh. doing that. Um, oh, cool. After a show in Northern California? Yeah, we played Arcata, Arcata. I'm not quite sure how to say it, but mm -hmm. we played there and did a, a nice hike in the woods. Um, nice. Yeah. Um, but all in all, it's just, I love it. And, you know, I was talking with a friend of mine that did the tour with us and, mm -hmm. um, you know, we were kind of, she was like, wow, yeah, this can be kind of exhausting, but she's like, but I get why there's this special thing where we all kind of bond and connect because we're all kind of going through that together, you know, like some of that aspect of it. And, uh, you really kind of have this family that's away from home. Uh, yeah. there's a bonding in that, that I think is so, so, um, special, um, Others in your band and others in your, your just the, the organization that's traveling together. Yeah, there's this kind of um, uh, sort of collective mind about we're, we're getting this done and we're doing this and we're, everyone's on the road and we're all in the same, uh, we're all in the same boat, really. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, the, you know, we get a little, you know, when somebody's a little tired, you get a little slap happy and we just, we're <laughs> right. so silly and just laughing at I mean, I, Beth and I'll just laugh like for ages on stuff that is just so silly. But it's yeah, we we really had a great time, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, you've uh, you've toured with uh, Drive By Truckers and opened for them. And um, what was that like? What's your connection with Patterson Hood? You know, I we figured out that we have toured together more than any other artist that either of us have toured with. Um, there you go. I actually, <laughs> so I guess that was a good question. <laughs> I did my first 
tour ever with Heartless Bastards with, well, my first like legitly professionally booked tour, I should say, you know, I mean, uh, cause I, you know, would try to book myself before I had an actual agent and, and, Mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, we opened for the drive by truckers when they first released the dirty South. And I guess that would have been in fall of 2004. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, yeah. And then we did some touring with them the, the next year, like maybe that next spring. Uh, and then, we also did a tour with them before we released Arrow. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess that would have been in 2011 because uh, we wanted to get the songs really tight before we recorded them in the studio. Yeah. And they had a tour coming up when, when we had asked if we could join them on that. Um, so in 2011, we did a tour. And then we also did a tour in Europe with them. Maybe in 2014, 13 or mm-hmm. 14. And then when I did my solo album, uh, I did uh, a tour with them, with my full band. Yeah, um, I saw that tour. I saw you on that tour. Yeah, and there was a tour with, uh, they did, it was uh, Drive-In Truckers, Lucinda Williams, and I just uh, joined on Acoustic to open. And that was in maybe... I don't even know, 2019 or something. Yeah. Wow. So I've yeah, done you, so much touring with them over the years. and You guys combine forces quite a bit. Yeah. I Yeah, I love them. And um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said you used to book yourself for a while, and you mentioned that also kind of at the top of this interview. Um, uh, what was that like? Was that sort of just like, was that early on when you you said that was before you had a booking agent, but how, how tough was that? And, um, and did you like doing that? Oh God, no, I definitely did not like doing that. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I mean, I think, uh, it's like if you're booking yourself or trying to be your own manager. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like managers probably seek opportunities for artists all the time and some of those doors open and some of them don't, but it's when you're the artist, you're, you're the artist itself doing the booking, then it's just, um, it, you know, it's a little harder to, yeah, you know, for, for every 10 things you try for, you get one or whatever, sort of, I I'm just maybe even 20 things for that matter. So, um, it was be discouraging. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to be, it's hard to be objective. If you have a booking age, he's probably not telling you about the 19 ones that you didn't book. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> out of the 20, I think sometimes though, once a door opens up, it can lead to another door. So, yeah. you know, when, when, I, so I, you know, it's kind of to bring it back around to that opportunity or the P- Patrick recommending me to fat possum. Yeah. Then I found a label and then Fat Possum uh, helped me get a booking agent. And, you know, so I guess everything's all. Yeah. <laughs> well, to bring that to bring that around even further, I, I don't usually talk about specific songs on this podcast, but um, because they had such emotional resonance 
for me and um, they're so beautiful and it sort of makes sense a little bit for what we're just talking about and your song you never know you talk about you never know until you do and then you mentioned stay open stay present keep taking chances is that sort of is that is, is that a theme and how you kind of live your life and what your mindset is um it, it you know i mean in a lot of ways a lot of these songs are what i aim for and try for and yeah. but they're almost like mantras in a way of like a reminder because i think i think a lot of things in life we know in our hearts are things that we should do but we can kind right. of uh it's good to have reminders you know so yeah, yeah. um uh, yeah, I would say that I consistently try to stay open. And at times I might look back and reflect and I, I am not always that way with everything, but I've definitely, I think it's good to, to, to do that and as much as you can. And, and in so many aspects, you know, whether it's, yeah, in your personal life or in, uh, yeah, everything. Stay present and keep taking chances. I mean, I think that's, yeah. And, and, and it's, it's important to do that as, as a performer and as an artist. And yeah, of course they're just, they're, they seem to be kind of lofty goals, but um, those are things that even I, I, I try to do and I try to um, move forward in life with um, staying present and staying in the moment. But um, keep moving forward and trying to take chances. Is there, um, do you believe that there's like a level of confidence that you need to have in order to put yourself out there, even in a live setting, um, and to take chances in, in, in that respect that you need to continue to, um, to have that sort of positive mindset in order to do that? Is that something that you need to continue to practice? Um, well, I certainly think it's, it's, um, I mean, I guess you would have to sort of have to have some some of that in order to continue, you know. Do uh, you, in other words? Um, I mean, what's your kind of what's your take on that? Well, you know, it, it's funny we were talking about confidence earlier, and I think it's a funny thing, but um, I mean, I think I have this sort of sense of confidence with what I'm doing musically. Mm-hmm. But like if I were to take a cooking class and I I, like I took a cooking class a few years ago and I remember Mm -hmm. we had to go around in a circle and mention our name and like talk, say some things about ourselves and like... I'm just dreading when it comes to me and my heart is like, boom, 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 boom. Are you fucking boom, serious? I'm serious. Like um, I, I'm a recording artist <laughs> and I've toured globally with such bands as uh, Drive-By Truckers and Bob Seger. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. Like I, it's, it's, it's a, that's somehow, com- that's somehow comforting Erica. I, I think that's what I was like. I thought about it after, like we were talking before. It, like I was like, oh, I did. I should mention that, you know. Like, so there's this part of me where I'm yeah. putting these songs out there, and I'm really believe in what I'm doing. But then there's mm-hmm. this part of me that also is like afraid to 
talk about myself in a circle of people in a cooking class. You know, I, I don't know. Oh, it's a That's fascinating. <laughs> so is it easier for you to do that in a room full of like strangers? Not no no not the not the cooking class, but at a show, for example. Or do you do you kind of detach yourself from what you're singing to, in order to do that? I yeah, I I feel like it's a you know, it took me years to probably talk to the audience much, you know, like mm, I'm mm-hmm. getting a lot uh, better about that, but I actually used used to like barely say a word on stage. I mean, I would say like, "Thank you for coming out tonight," and you know, I said very little. Uh, I think, um, um, uh, what am I saying? As far as that, um, uh, yeah, I, I more and more I'm feeling a bit more comfortable, uh, but it's definitely. Uh, taken a long time. And I think that um, the thing about a song is I write a song and I'm working on that song and crafting it sometimes for months and like very thoughtful about my message. And um, so by the time I put that song out there and I'm, uh, pardon me, and uh, I'm performing it night after night. There is mm. more of a sense of confidence in that because I have really worked at it and I know exactly how I, I feel about it, you know, right. where if, um, you know, if I'm just sort of speaking off the cuff, uh, I think it's more, um, it's, it's not... You know, I mean, I'm just sort of speaking off the cuff. So I, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I sort of, I sense that you're, you, you're an artist, you're a performing artist and, and and a recording artist. That's one aspect of what you like to do. I sort of getting, I'm, I'm getting the, the, the vibe that, um, maybe if you didn't have to perform that live, you potentially wouldn't. Um, you know, no, I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that you're committed to create for you're committed to your craft. No question about that. But is the performance side something that's kind of ancillary for you? <laughs> you're my oh, that's a good one. You warned me about have you warned me about having the puppy in the room. He's so cute. He's so cute. <laughs> it's a girl. It's Piper. It's a girl. Oh, um, well, she's yeah. She jumped up and uh, she's got. I don't know if you heard that little Chewbacca kind of thing come out of her. But yeah. um, you know, um, no. I mean, I love performing live. I just meant that um, I, I, I speaking live and just sort of um, this sort of you know public speaking part of it is is not something that feels very natural to me you know yeah, and well, it took me a long time to feel uh very more natural about the performing part but mm-hmm, i definitely mm-hmm. i love playing and performing live and i i yeah i i yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't do it cuz i feel like it's some necessity to move the albums it, to me it's just another way to connect with people and yeah um yeah i absolutely love that yeah i've just uh, you know there's uh i'm just a bit introverted in in that sense and uh i i would say i i sometimes i don't know if i consider myself an entertainer 
I'm like a songwriter that performs live. Uh, right, right. You know, it's interesting. I'm kind of trying to, and I don't, I don't, I'm not putting judgment on this at all. I'm just kind of making an observation about it. Just, um, um, that's an interesting dichotomy there that you, you know, you, you like to be out there, but there's times when you wouldn't necessarily speak in front of all the, uh, in front of everyone. It's very, it's, um, might you love to perform? It's interesting. Yeah. Sure. Well, I mean, it's with well, the performing part is about the music, you know? Yeah. So. That, yep, that too. Right, right, of course. <laughs> of course. Would you rather kind of be, would you enjoy being kind of a, a background player in a band instead of being out front singing? Um, you know, I, I, I think it could be fun sometime, you know, it's, it's like, um, uh, I, you know, it's like the grass is greener kind of thing where yeah, right, right, there right. are, uh, I, I think it could be f- fun to do. Yeah. Uh, I don't Was know it- if I would want to all the time. Like I saw, I remember mm-hmm. Jenny Lewis sang with, she did like a tour for a year or two on an album with Postal Service. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh, that could be fun sometime, you know, just sing harmonies with somebody for an album tour, you know, and just yeah, kind yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it can be really nice to support somebody else and what they're doing sometime rather than sort of pushing along this thing that I'm doing, you know? And right. So, so what was the feeling for you when you were out touring, um, touring solo? Was it kind of the same vibe or did you feel a different sort type of responsibility that it was now called Erica Wennerstrom instead of heartless bastards? Um, no, I mean, it felt, um, it was fun to sort of feel like I was doing something new. I mean, a lot of mm-hmm. the, sort of dynamics were similar, like in, in terms of songwriting and such, but it was like a new team and, um, it just felt kind of fresh and new and, and there was an excitement to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, uh, yeah, that's good stuff. Are you excited? Uh, so, so you're down, you're, 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 um, you're off of this, this current leg of the tour and I think you're headed to Europe in January, UK and then other European dates. Is that, are you excited for that? Tell me a little bit about what your thinking is and getting out there and going to Europe again. Uh, I, I think we're going to postpone the tour because mm-hmm. of the, uh, the latest, uh, on Omicron. I mean, it's just a little yeah. uncertain. Well, it's really uh, tough to get over to Europe and there's, it's, there's so many uncertainties with respect to travel. I mean, it's understandable that I, that, that bands and artists are going to kind of have to maybe take a step back and reconsider some stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, we, uh, Amsterdam is on uh lockdown at the moment. Uh, yeah, so yeah. it's I just, mean, if some of the cities, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only a few weeks away. You can't, you know, who knows? I mean, who it might knows, be but, fine by then, but it's just a lot to, yeah. uh, yeah. Well, let me ask you a general question then. Do you um, do you enjoy going over to Europe and seeing what sort of audience reactions are over there? Does it um, how does it differ for you? Um, except for the kind of the obvious, you know, they're speaking different language and they're using different money. <laughs> but like, um, sort of, what's your um, what has been something that you've noticed about uh, different audiences in in Europe? Um, uh, From your perspective, I mean. 
I, I don't know if I feel that the audiences are different, but mm-hmm. um, I think it's just really nice for the band to uh, experience um, uh, new places all the time. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I, I guess I feel like... Um, you know, I, I mean, other than the the different language uh, languages and the mm-hmm. you know uh, foods and things like that, that a, a lot of times are, uh, yeah, it's just yeah, like eating French fries with mayonnaise instead of ketchup, <laughs> just the the normal things. I love, I do that anyway. I love it. I'm like, you know, even in Italy when I lived there, like, oh, mayonnaise on French fries, I'm in. <laughs> You know my song. Put mayonnaise on everything for me. You know my songwriting publishing uh, company. I named No Mayo Music because uh, I didn't used to like mayonnaise, uh, and I was just trying to think of something silly. Um, oh man! Well, I've got I've got the Deer Tick album hit by here in my mantle behind me, um, and. Uh, I should have put the other one, the newest one, may- mayonnaise, on there just for you. Had I known that, I would have done that. You know, I, I actually have grown <laughs> to like. I love aioli though; it's so good, and especially well, that's with mayonnaise French fries with like stuff in it. Yeah, you know? I think just like I think just like basic mayonnaise. If it doesn't have some garlic uh, yeah. or it doesn't have some kind yeah, of herbs or something, to, I'd, I you need to you. You got to punch it up. Exactly. Bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's like my kids. They don't like, oh, well, well, that's kind of the opposite thing. They'll eat ketchup because that's got a shit ton of sugar in there, but they won't eat tomatoes. I'm like, come on, kids. That's like a standard kid thing. right? Yeah. You know, I've never <laughs> liked ketchup, mayonnaise or mustard just since I was a kid. And it's it, really. Yeah. But uh, wow. look at you <laughs> from, the Midwest, from the Midwest and everything. Yeah. Although it, like aioli is like grown on me and things like that. Like I love French fries with aioli. Totally, but, uh, totally. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Just the saucy kind of stuff. I've never been into. I just bought a big jar of like um, garlic aioli. Just I don't know because it caught my eye. I think it was like a Whole Foods or Trader Joe's or something. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> you're preaching <laughs> to the choir. Well, thanks, Erica, for being here and chatting with me about your new album, which I think is like fucking phenomenal. And I, I, to- I, I totally love it. And I suggest anybody that's out there to go out and check this album out and buy it on the website like I did. And um, I even bought the signed copy. So, Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I loved it. I love it. So, um, And I'm sorry I missed you when you were in Chicago at Lincoln Hall. God damn it. I was in California seeing my morning jacket over that weekend. And I'm like, ugh. But, you know, so many bands were traveling in the fall. There were so many different overlaps. But um, but I hope to catch up with you again sometime on, on the road. Yeah, well, it's nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, thanks so much, Erica, for being here. Good luck. Thank you. Take care. Cheers. Okay, that was Erica Wennerstrom. Really loved talking to Erica. She's always got... Uh, interesting thoughts and it's really, really thoughtful. And uh, I love what she, uh, what she talks to, what she kind of brings to the table and this new album, a beautiful life. Like I said, is just absolutely gorgeous. I love the opening track, especially uh, revolution where she talks about the revolution is in your mind, uh, kind of reflecting on, 
making sure that you have that strong connection with oneself apart from all these external cues and input of which so much is going on today. And I thought it was really, really telling. I love the story about Patrick Carney of the Black Keys um, and how Erica was playing an early an early uh, uh, show when she was just starting out in 2004 in Akron and she wasn't even going to play this gig. And uh, Patrick, whom she had met earlier, shows up at this gig and uh, they get signed to Fat Possum Records. So, uh, that's just, uh, just really compelling. Just the, the great stuff that happens. And, uh, and I, I, I was so excited to hear about that. Um, Erica loves touring, loves being out there, but kind of like hates that waiting and the downtime. And I've talked to so many artists and that that's kind of the sort of the constant thorn in one side when they're out on the road. And, uh, you know, you guys can tell me, you guys that have been out on the road, you can tell me about that as well, that that downtime and that uh, in that sort of structured environment where you've got to be in certain places at one time and then you've got this waiting time uh, is uh, it can get frustrating to her. But she does love being out there and she loves live performance, loves playing for people. Uh, and we learned maybe not so much talking and uh, that's kind of uh, coming along. Uh, even even today, she, she says that she's a songwriter that performs live, uh, loves connecting with people, but uh, maybe like public speaking doesn't necessarily feel natural to her and uh, told about that, that funny story about being in a cooking class and going around the table and having to talk about herself. And she sort of, uh, had a little bit of a uh, of a brain lock in doing that at that time, and uh, that just goes to show you can be out there, uh, up on stage, but uh, even in some simple simple kind of environment like a cooking class, it's maybe uh, difficult to talk about oneself. I thought that was really interesting. I was really happy that uh, Erica was vulnerable enough to uh, to share that story. Uh, like I said, new album, Beautiful Life. I encourage everyone to check that out. It was p- produced by Erica and by Kevin Ratterman, much of which was done at his Invisible Creature studio uh, in L.A. And Andrew Bird plays on a track in that album, The River, as you heard, that we talked a little bit about that, as well as Bo Coster on the album from uh, Bo-, Bo of My Morning Jacket, whom I, I had on the show uh, last year. Uh, like I said, Heartless Bastards coming out. They just they have... Uh, two shows, uh, February 19th and 20th. I believe you can check those dates on their website. Uh, they start out a tour with Flaming Lips playing those two shows at uh, the Caverns in Pelham, Tennessee, and then begin a Midwest run again with Flaming Lips in April. So make sure you go to the Heartless Bastards website and uh, check out those tour dates if you want to see Erica out on the road, which I highly, highly recommend. And she's tr- she's with the, bl- the Flaming Lips, which is uh, which will be an amazing show. So so uh, thanks again to everyone for being here for this episode of Roadcase. Thanks again for your support. If you've made it this far, you are fucking awesome. And I really love all of you and I appreciate uh, you all so much. Uh, so thanks for being here. And I want to send a special shout out to Erica Wennerstrom of Heartless Bastards for being here on this episode of Roadcase. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. 
Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at RoadcasePod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. Yeah.